Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Change Room with Rod and Leslie. In this week's episode about change, we're going to talk, we're going to go deep on a topic, aren't we, Rod? We're going to go deep into Nathaniel Brandon's Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. And we think that this is a really sort of helpful model for everyone to kind of dive into and really understand. And then Rod has a surprise plot twist at the end, which I still don't know about and I'm super excited. So Rod, over to you. What would you add into that mix? I know I'm still, I'm so excited about the surprise. I can barely focus on anything else. So what else should oh, we know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will say it's it for, I think for us, it will be a moral dilemma of sorts. And, but fitting perfectly or not, Nothing's perfectly fitting, but it fitting into the theme of our discussions is understanding things from different sides and different perspectives right. and realizing right. there's there's good and elements to take from it. And uh, I this so this something Nathaniel Brandon and his six uh, pillars of self-esteem was something that I was exposed to by reading that book Happier, which I referred to a while back by right, right, uh, right. Tal Ben-Shahar. So in that book, he does a really good coverage in the book Happier, a really good coverage of different research that connects in. There's even there's more topics that I think we'll get into. Um, And um, he refers quite frequently to this uh, six pillars of self-esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. And there's one of the techniques that he, I would say, sharpened or developed that Nathaniel Brandon developed around how to uh, work on something in an incremental fashion, like to make change in your life, but through little baby steps. Right. I'll get to that in a bit. So, so my, when I can and I have time, my uh, book reading path usually goes in that way. Like I'll read a book, it'll refer to something else that if I find interesting, I'll go find that other book, I'll read that book, and if that book you know, refers to something that's interesting, and I fo- kind of following this trail of thoughts and, and ideas. Like breadcrumbs, uh, like your Hansel or something, searching breadcrumbs. <laughs> yes, I love that's it. That's right. <laughs> and um, so this one, I, th- I think for, for today, why don't I kind of dive into, uh, I'll describe the six pillars of self-esteem. And just to say, like, how does this connect in is that this, I, I don't know if he's an actual doctor, but he's, you know, part of this, self-help movement as it developed in the United States and California. This this guy was born in uh, 1930 in Brampton, Ontario. Whoop, so whoop, Canadians. Fundamentally, these are all... <laughs> yeah, he's Canadian. Sorry. But I think he developed all his, you know, his... Uh, he did his university in, in California, and that's where he worked and lived for the rest of his life. And and so the he became a psychotherapist or a therapist to people who were mm. down and wanting to make something change in their lives. And uh, in his research and philosophy and point of view, developed this, these uh, six pillars of self-esteem. So um, I'm going to come back to his life story later, because that's where I think it is. There, there's an interesting uh, plot twist. Yeah. Like exactly. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> not to reveal anything. Don't tell me until the end. <laughs> okay. So I'll tell you what. I'll, okay, so on, what's gonna... the first one? What's pillar number okay. one? Yeah. Let, and then I'd love to hear your reactions to this because I, I think this is a new... I, I shared you some info on it before. Yes. But like just so as we go, like tell me your reaction. So the first one is 
Uh, they're all described, by the way, as practices in life. So it's the, the first one is the practice of living consciously. So it's the, the, the extent that you, the way it's described, the extent, the extent that you honor sight over blindness, blindness. Is, and it's that, that you're living to the awareness of the reality around you and you're living mm. uh, consciously rather than kind of following a, the roteness of life and just going through things in an automatic sense. I think we've talked a lot about that in, in a bunch of different ways, don't you? Just, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about focusing on the breath and being aware of your reactions to things and being yeah. aware what it means to be a perfectionist, like that to me all relates to a consciousness practice. That's cool. Mm-hmm. The it is very much living in the moment. Like another yeah. way to say that is is living in the moment. Um, the second is the practice of self acceptance. And I don't even know if I have to read the description of this one. I think that's, that think? one's very <laughs> self explanatory. Do they say which ones are the hardest? <laughs> Because I'm going to guess that that one's right up there, right? I mean, we're just a self-criticizing nation of people, I think, right now. Uh, We compare ourselves to others on Instagram and TikTok and whatever the kids are using these days. But we compare ourselves to everyone all the time. So that that self-acceptance one... I am so down with that. Yeah. And we've talked of like we it's have. accepting your here's a few tidbits here. So it's the refusal to engage in an adversarial relationship with yourself. <gasps> I'm what gonna write that thing. down. That is amazing. Yeah. Say it again. Yeah. Say it again. The refusal the, to engage in an adversarial relationship with, with yourself. yourself. Oh, I have to process that. That one's juicy. Yeah. That one's juicy. That's like a, that's, that's kind of mind blowing. Don't what's, what's, what was your reaction the first time you read that? Oh yeah. Well, so for, I, I think for myself and my journey, when I first read this, I was, this was a a tough one for me. Like it's very much outward focused and give, you know, a lot of empathy for others. But then it's, I was the classic of like the voice in my head kind of criticizing and beating myself up on it. So, so maybe you know i'd never connected this but i I think this was part of for me helping doing more of that self-acceptance in my in my life and just saying to myself like here's um another thing it's like commitment to value the way it's written is one's own person it's a commitment to value yourself and that's sometimes that's the thing that we often i mean we always talk about the voice in your head saying negative things yes this is the counter to that I, I really I'm like I'm blown away by that one. I really like it. Mm-hmm. And and so clear I always find that when I like we talked last week about triggers, but I always find that when you hear something like this that also helps you and it deeply connects with a part, like that deeply connects with a part within me that tells mm-hmm. me, okay, I need some I gotta do some self love in the next little while. Like I gotta I gotta up my game in that mm-hmm. section of my life. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the second one. Yeah. What's the and third before, one? I'm gonna Oh. Well, before I move on to the third one, the other the note that I took down is he wrote, self-acceptance is, the, is a precondition of change and growth. So just Yeah, uh, I believe that. T- yeah. So the next one. For three, true change and growth, right? Because like change yes. and growth, I think, can happen 
like all around you all the time. But if you want to change who you are inside and you want to change how you're operating in the world, then yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's sort of accepting your light side, your dark side, all the sides. Yep, I, I'm down mm -hmm. with that. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yep. So the third one is the practice of self-responsibility. And so... The, Tell me the more notes, about that one. Yeah. So the notes, I'm, re, I'm referring to actually notes that I took um, just because I have periods of being a geek around this stuff is when I wrote this, or not wrote, when I read the book, uh, I wrote notes. Um, yeah. So a number of years ago. So um, the uh, here's what I wrote down. It was actually a bunch of statements of things, for example, that you'd be uh, self-responsible for. So it's like you're responsible responsible for the achievement of your desires your, mm. of your choices and actions of the of the level of consciousness that you bring to your day to your relationships um you're responsible for the behavior that you uh have with other people how you prioritize prioritize your time the quality of your communications and so forth and the fundamentally the part that's that's here that i really truly value and and agree with is the uh, the fancy term of agency it's the mm -hmm. to the control it yeah. and and the next yeah. uh, some of the other principles refer to this i i i do know that and i and i would note that none of the statements said say i'm responsible for the outcomes that i achieve in my life right because the outcomes that you have this is then when people get into the right the truthful conversation around privilege like the outcomes yeah. that we have yeah. are based a lot yeah. on the privilege that to which we are are living in like where how family we're born into the society yeah. that we have and the opportunities but it's saying for for yourself as you know again as, as a pillar of self-esteem it's having the practice of self-responsibility versus the opposite of not taking responsibility of yourself does he talk about them? Um, does he talk about the pillars being interconnected, Rod? Does he talk about it as a network? Because I would imagine it would be hard to experience that self-responsibility with certainly without consciousness in place. Mm -hmm. And I think I think we would be beating the hell out of ourselves if we didn't have the second one in place as well. Like mm -hmm. I, I already feel like there's a sense of connectedness to all these. Yes. Does yeah, that make true. does that make sense to you as well? It does. I think the 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 pillars concept was like these are the you know six things that hold up uh, someone who would consider that they have high self esteem. So it, I don't, um, but I totally agree with what you said. I I think that they were trying to say like you need all these six things versus like you as you start to build one, it builds the other, and they co build together. Yeah. 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 Like I see it as building a net for yourself, like as building like a or a quilt or something, but like something where there's like a safety or like a whatever, but all of the pieces to me have to come together in a way or that's what I think so far. Maybe in four, mm -hmm. five and six, I'll change my mind. Yeah. But everything you've told me so far makes me think, wow, these things are super interconnected. Yes. And that self-responsibility, that's a tough one, right? Like. I certainly, when I was younger, spent a lot of time blaming other people for stuff in my life and whatever. And, and I still know people today who, who do that, who look externally 
Um, but then I also know people who blame themselves too much. Like there's probably a balance to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I can sometimes totally. if something goes wrong in a meeting or whatever, it's very easy for me to think that I am the one, like I did the wrong thing. Like I made it go sideways. And that's not what this is, right? Like this yeah. is a healthy application of yeah. what yeah. I, and pardon my language, what I like to call in my life, owning your shit. Like you can't make yeah. change happen until you own your shit. Um, because exactly. there's just, there's no movement, there's no progress. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, that's what I read in this, not self-blame mm-hmm. for sport. Exactly. And it, I mean, it ties into, you know, you would say, say you, uh, in a situation, somebody makes you really mad and then you react in a way which you would think you didn't love the way that you reacted, but you explain that by saying, oh, well, the, the other person made me mad. Right. Well, well, we know, so this is the good thing about the knowledge that we have now is we know that the reaction of being mad was triggered from something that, you know, started your fight or flight response, your anger took over yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you can explain to your, like, you recognize like, okay, I actually acted that way because of this thing, the moment. And no, that's not what I'm striving to act, how I'm striving to be, but I accept right. that that's kind of what happened versus what a lot of people, and I've done too, is you self-explain your reaction after the fact and you 100%. give it justification. 100%. Say, oh. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to be wrong. Well, if that person, so, of course I reacted this way. I mean, that guy was yeah. being a jerk or that woman was being yeah. unreasonable or like whatever it is. It's easy mm-hmm. to say, well, I did this because they did that. And so I like this notion of we've got to, you know, we've got to own our shit. We've got to say like, yes, that person did that. Did I need, did I really need to respond the way? I know I did respond the way I did. Yeah. No judgment. Like, okay, here we here we are where we are. But did I really need to? Did it really yeah. make things get better? Did it really help progress things? And did I actually feel better in the long run? Because that's also one of the, we should do an episode on this. But yeah. you know, those immediate reactions we have in the moment where it feels so good to tell that person off or yeah. flip another driver the bird or whatever it is. But then does it really contribute to your long-term happiness? So you feel that yeah. sort of momentary like, ha, ha, ha. But then, you know, whether or not that contributes to your long-term satisfaction is, is debatable. Anyway, let's go True. on to pillar number okay. four, because I want to hear the four, four times. Okay. The practice of self-assertiveness. Oh. So, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's a virtu- virtue of appropriate self-expression, of honoring one's needs, wants, values, and convictions, seeking rational forms to express in reality. So it's the... It, I mean, there's key words here. It's the appropriate self-expression to honor right. your, what your right. needs and wants are. Right. Um, so it's it's not about like you just do whatever the heck you want to do and, right. and flashes through your mind in that moment. But it's it's um, there is that balance there because it so oftentimes when it's not done at all is it's like there's something important to you and we rep- repress that because we feel that. It's not, and this actually, I'm going to connect with what you said before. Like, this is how they start interconnecting. Um, you know, it's, it, you need to be conscious about what are the things and actively reflecting on yourself and caring about yourself and, and honoring what it is yeah. that's important to you. Yeah. This one is so interesting. And, and I feel like 
most of the people I know are in one extreme or another in this one. Mm-hmm. I work, you know, I know people who are either like it's all me, 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 and they kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, will just take all and have no problem stating their needs, or at the other end of the spectrum are completely silent. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's because we live in Canada, and so, you know, most people are like, oh no, the greater good, and all that, which mm-hmm. I love about our country. Like, I would not change that. But it, it, there does come a point in life where we do have to use our words. Yeah. Right. Like where we really do. I, I really like that. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. like that one. And it is I think you're right about calling out it's it's the need for balance in this regard. Right. It's not mm-hmm. a. it's not that we're diminishing what other people are going through and their needs and that sort of a thing. But it is being able to state clearly. Mm-hmm. And maybe I think for most people, this one takes a little bit of practice. You know, this mm-hmm. is not necessarily one that we come out of the gate if we're shy about it, if, we, if we're at the end of the spectrum of it's hard for us to do this. Find mm-hmm. a safe person that you can practice this with, my friends, would be my counsel mm-hmm. to you. You know, a mm-hmm. good friend where you can um, make sure that your voice is heard when making plans or kind of like raw. I feel like you and I do this when mm-hmm. we're setting agendas for our podcast and stuff. Like we always like, there's so many ideas out in the universe that we could draw from and we kind of have a lovely balance back and forth. So I'm so grateful. I get to practice this with you. Mm-hmm. So you guys need to find your Leslie Rod connection where you can have that sort of sharing of ideas because really fun things happen when you do it. Yeah, it is. And it's, it makes it's your heart happy. happy when you do it. It makes my heart happy when I do it. That's for sure. Exactly. And to pick up one, on what you said, is that it's the healthy balance. And it's like you might, it, it's for some, it might be dialing up your practice right. of being self-assertive. For others, it might be actually being aware of if you're already doing that a lot and kind of putting what you want out in front of other people, just being aware that a healthy interaction is where everybody in that relationship even if it's two or more is is being able to describe what's important to them right because otherwise the people who are sort of over tellers over it can come across as bullies right and probably Mm -hmm. totally unintentionally um you know like with with no bad intention in their heart but without sort of realizing that there needs to be a making space this is why i see it as a lattice work honestly like there needs to be space and movement for all the different voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. So I like that one. Okay, what's number five? Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. The practice of living purposefully. Ooh. So to live purposefully is to use our powers of the attainment of goals that we have selected. It's it's the, the this is the, in many ways, perhaps, you know, have you, you've heard, of course, you've heard of Simon Sinek's The Power yeah. of Why or whatever. Yes, yes. It's, this is kind of like the purposefulness here is that, is like, what's the goal? What is it that you're trying to achieve and to have, to live with that purpose? So it's the practice of living purposefully. And I guess that this, I feel like this one um, crosses all aspects of our life, right? There's living with purpose in your personal life. There's living with purpose in your professional life. There's doing it for yourself. There's doing it in relationship to others. This this one feels like a big one to me. Mm-hmm. This it one is. feels and, like and a big it, juicy one. Yeah. And then this the let me go to the, the final one is the practice of integrity. Oh, I like that one. Mm. It's integrity. My notes here say the integration of ideals, convictions, standards, beliefs, and behavior. It's the 
integration of those. And it's when behavior is uh, connected to the, your pro professed values. So it's, it's um, you know, there's a, a f not, it's not a philosophy, but like a point of view that actually you are what you do. You're like, you might have yes. a certain value in a certain way, but if your behavior is different than that, yeah. you're actually, there's, there's that disconnect. So it's more about what you do. So this is saying the One of my sayings in life is that love is a verb. Like, I don't need mm -hmm. someone to say, I love you to me. I need someone to behave it, right? Like love is a behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not a set of words or empty gestures. It's 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 a day-to-day -day behavior. And that's what I think of with this. That's what this mm -hmm. makes me think of, you know? Yeah. And that, it's the, when there's that, if there's that disconnect, uh, then that takes away from the, again, pillar of self-esteem. So interesting. And it's interesting that in this sixth one that he brings in the concept of integration, because to me, that mm -hmm. speaks to whether or not it's intended or not, speaks to the need to bring all the, the other five into the sixths as well, right? Because really, it's only, I think, mm. if you integrate those other fives, the other five of them, that you have that full picture and you can live with integrity. I don't yep. know if you can live with integrity if you're not conscious or if you're not um, owning your voice or you're not taking responsibility for your actions, right? Like mm -hmm. that, that notion, this sixth one feels like the amalgamation to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. And the other interesting thing is it doesn't, the other ones are all like the practice of living um, purposefully, the practice of mm -hmm. da -da -da. this one. Uh, and I'm just seeing if, if I wrote this down wrong, but I, it doesn't say of living. It, it says the practice of integrity. So you're right. Like the way that it's even written is, is, I think, just like you were describing. It connects them together. I really, I really like this model. I mean, I'm a fan of models because I just, I think they help us um, take apart things that are happening and understand the why behind it and, and really find a path forward. And not every model is for every person, but mm -hmm. I think this is a really interesting model that lasts even today like to imagine he was born in 1930 this was probably mm -hmm. written in what the 50s yeah and it's so this is yes. still feels like a model that works now which is pretty yeah. cool yeah and and interesting i think it's honestly i think it was lost in the in as as kind of thoughts about psychology evolved self-esteem as a concept or construct and I don't know why, I, I mean, I probably could look this up, but it, it, it is not considered as, you, like, you don't hear a lot of it. The people talk about the other mm. things around, uh, you know, psychology and people and, and, you know, getting over obstacles. Yeah. But you don't hear a lot of people say self, like the, the psychology of self-esteem. And I think that in a way is why this is not referred to as much like i i right, only right. ever heard about it reading this other book and it's because of the title i think people psychologists go well self-esteem it's not the right construct so it's mixed of these other things so you know i would almost like if i were if i were a friend of nathaniel's um if you were alive today and writing it today i my counsel to him would be i don't even feel like these are just pillars of self-esteem like this is pillars of happiness and pillars yeah. of how to live your life in a way that will bring you a sense of purpose and and happiness in life 
So maybe also you... it's the title is a reflection of the time of when it was written. And so for it to get, so true. for the meat of this to be lost just because of that seems sad to me. Sorry, what were you going to yeah. say? No, I, I yeah, exactly. It's, it's like these are the things that will help you be in a position where you can make change in your life and you can right. like move towards the goals uh, that uh, are important to you for sure. Well, that's so why we're give... talking about it today. So friends, don't be yeah. fooled by the fact that the title seems kind of like, you know, looking in a mirror and saying, and I really love myself. It's not yeah, that. This no, is no, really no, no. practical. This is yes. this is hard, but practical stuff. Yes. So I'm going to, there's there's a part that. Okay, are you going to tell I'm me the twist over now? Are we going to know the twist? Yes, I, I want to go straight to the twist. So I'm going to skip excited. over the part that is. There's something that a, something that he developed uh, that in his work with his clients, which is really powerful, and it's it's about, and we're, I'm actually not going to dive into it deep because I want to give you the twist. I think it connects with another discussion that we we should have around making change in tiny steps. And he developed so yeah. this guy Nathaniel Brandon developed this this uh, approach to doing that, and that is getting people to think about and write out what could you do differently that makes a 5% difference in, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, if, you know, if you were 5% more self aware or, or. Right. Right. Five, use your voice 5% more, you know, in yeah. a, the course of a work week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like what would that look like or what, what impact would that have? And it's, it's a very powerful. Okay. Don't give too gonna... much away of that one. Cause I really do think we could talk for an entire episode around the yeah. 5% rule. I really do. Yes. Like that yeah. is juicy. Yeah. So that let me juicy stuff. I, I, Plus I, I want the plot twist. Here's the plot <laughs> twist. Okay. So Nathaniel Brandon, 1930 Brampton, Ontario. I can't even imagine what Brampton, Ontario looked like in 1930. I'm going to guess he... it was like a lot of farmland. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, no airport, no industry right? there. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So he he go he ends up in California. Um, he uh, goes to university there. He gets married and he starts. He comes. He hears about um, an author at that time. So this is now late. F so no early fifties. Okay. Um, and he really like intellectually like wow this person is got such great ideas starts a like a writing you know exchanging letters and then ends up meeting the other author and um uh and starts doing work with that author and now i will tell you the other author's name and i'm wondering if you know this name or not the other author was ann rand obviously do you know who Anne Rand is? Yes. So that, that's the. Did he okay, have so, a little like something something going on with Ayn Rand? Yes. <gasps> yes. So so for people who aren't, Anne Anne Rand um, is uh, I think Russian in origin, but uh, you know worked and lived in the United Atlas States. Atlas shrugged and, and all that, right? That's her. That's right. She wrote yeah, a book. Yeah. She wrote one book called The Fountainhead, and then another called Atlas Shrugged, and essentially it's. It's what they refer to as the objective, objectivist movement, which is, is basically it's like, it's the individual is the most, uh, most important. It's and it's it's the as an individual, you should take control of your life and you need to do what you need to do for the, protect you know, not just success in your life but like, 
um, can you imagine at the time in the 40, you know, after World War II, it's like, yeah. so yeah. that you are uh, surviving and, and thriving. And so the... Um, that is a good to, plot twist. Yes, because Ayn Rand is also like, that's what libertarianism... Libertarian. Right, is born from. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so, again, libertarians, for those who don't know, are, if you take on the c- political spectrum of like, left socialism center and then right conservatism and libertarian is like somewhere off in the right that says it's government so should right do nothing for anybody <laughs> yeah so far it's right totally it's so far right it's left like <laughs> but it's it's gone around the the, no the ball to that my is libertarian left. friends out there because i do have them um, i do have libertarian friends in my life but le- legit you got to acknowledge yeah. that it is yeah and and uh, and many use her and less so now, but I certainly remember in the two thousands, like ten, fifteen years ago. It's everybody was talking about basically like th- this is the philosophy and why government should get that we shouldn't have a government to do anything for us at yeah. all. We should just people should be left to themselves. This is kind of like why you shouldn't have health care is because people should be taking care of themselves, and. So opposite to all of my, like, all of my Canadian values are going bing, 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 bing. So how do you, I know, so how do you, this is the moral dilemma because the philosophy that we just talked about around the six pillars of self-esteem, you can see, I can see the connection between this of, like, as the individual, we have a lot of, uh, control and we should be seeking more control of ourselves and our happiness and not waiting for somebody else to give us our happiness. Yeah. I think we can agree with that statement. 100%. Yeah, that's absolutely. Absolutely. Happiness is an inside job, right? Is the quote that that I love so much. Like happiness really is an inside job. Yep. 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 Yeah. And you can see, I can see the, I start by saying you can see, but I, I want to I say for myself, I <laughs> can, can see the connection, can, yeah, yeah. the the connection between that philosophy, there's not, it's not such a huge leap to then go to the other philosophy of, and it, of like, really it is all about the individual and there's n- nothing else that influences outcomes, which we disagree with fundamentally. Yes in our yes. bones that the actual successful outcome of somebody material, I mean like f- money, house, job, health, all these other things, actually there's factors that are outside the person. That Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that is the entire notion of privilege altogether. Right. Plus yeah. I felt, and maybe this is me, this is interesting because maybe this is me overlaying my own value system when we were talking about the six pillars, but that felt so relational to me, not just the pillars unto themselves, but with other people. Like like I was interpreting that as, wow, if I do this, then it's going to make the people I love lives better as well. And the people I work with lives better as well. Like when I live with my purpose and when I use my voice and all the thing and live authentically and all the things, um, it actually will make it better for other people around me. And so... That is so interesting to me because now when you say that, I don't know, is that me overlaying my value system onto our friend Nathaniel or yeah, like, was it a relational model or did he truly mean it for the individual based mm. on, I mean, unless it's a really like honest case of opposites attract, 
no, he no, so and Rand was, are hanging out, then it, well, you know, I almost think it's more the other way. Yeah. Well, the ju- the juiciness twist. here is that yeah, the, is that uh, she born in 1905, was 25 years his senior. They were both Scandal. in like married relationships. They started working together, had an affair, long affair. Oh well. Uh, you know, yeah, he was the young guy. Happens. She was the. Yeah, the but they had it. It broke up because uh, I I don't know if it was because of this, but he um, developed his original work based around the objectivism yeah. uh, theory, but evolved it into the what he you know developed as the pillars of self-esteem and oh, um goodness. and then critiqued and his critique of <gasps> and Rand's stuff was that it you know a couple of things like it repressed emotions but it was it was based on like people should be like just these machines to do this stuff and it was repressing the reality that we are humans and we have emotions and interrelated and, and interrelated yeah. that's so the they part had a fall, that always like, broke my heart with Anne Rand's stuff and people mm-hmm. who love it is just like, wow, it really, it it takes away from the interconnectedness of life. Yes, yes. So he, as he developed his thinking, his critique of her work came out and I th- then they had a falling out. And Well, maybe he needed to have the affair with her to realize the opposite for him, you know? Like maybe yeah. that served the purpose for him of waking him up to how he really felt about the world. Yeah. You know, well, you never know. Like, I never think there are mistakes in life. And these things happen. And it's when it's in a marriage, it's hard. And, you know, no one's going to say it's not hard because it is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes for a person's own development, these things have to happen in their path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's... did the pillars come after the the Anne Rand extravaganza? Or like, do you think it was developing and percolating as they were hanging Good out? Question. <gasps> I have so Hold on a second. I guess when the book was written, so kind of afterwards. So, this book, it, the Psychology of Self Esteem, was written in 1969, and um, he had been. It was like 10 years, 15 years before that, he'd started getting it to with Anne Rand. Like he had developed something. He's it, <laughs> talk about like Canadian uh, values of modesty versus not modesty mm-hmm. you know anytime you you develop an institute and it's your name on the institute so he developed the nathaniel brandon institute in the oh, 50s oh <laughs> so sure guy, as you like do like self-promoter <laughs> he was fully into pillar five that's right is that the own your voice one <laughs> whichever own your voice was he is fully immersed in that pillar yeah <laughs> and uh and the six Pillars of self-esteem. Actually, I'm trying to. You know, it says 1994 when that that was described. So he had by that time. Uh, I'm looking at his book list. He'd already written a bunch of books about like my years with Anne Rand and and stuff like that. So they, I think I'm so glad I didn't and, Google him before we started talking. Yeah. <gasps> wow. God. Because it's like in, in some ways we're saying the the dilemma is like, hey, this is some really good stuff to learn from. Yeah. And it was in the, that, and it was born out of a philosophy that we can also say we fundamentally disagree with. Like that's a conflict. There, that's know, just conflict so. There. But again, that was. I mean, he clearly needed that to grow and find this work and yeah. the words for this work, right? So, 
I know we did an episode on that before. If you see your friends going down a path, like, what do you do? Do you intervene or not? Imagine if someone had intervened and said, no, don't do it. We wouldn't have this work. Like, that's not, I don't want that. I don't want that. I like the world where this exists. I like that we can talk about this stuff. I'm I'm sorry for the people who were impacted by his choices, um, because I'm sure that there were some negative impacts by that. But like, I I don't know. I like a world where this exists. I do. Not going to lie. This has been such a great episode, Rod. Can we do another one like this? Where like you, like where, you know, you've read something really cool and we can talk about it and then there's a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. We're going to do more of these guys because like this is, I don't know, this has been super fun. This has been really interesting. And I think I'm going to buy the book and read it as well. I mean, you've given an awesome overview of it, but I think I want to dive in. Yeah, and we'll get into the, the that five percent idea with uh, like little mini behavior, how to make change happen by little tiny steps. I love Maybe it. that should be next week. Let's do that. I think that's going to be next week, friends. I think that's it. We've got our topic. Okay. <laughs> this has been awesome. Thanks so much, Rod. I'm so glad you brought this today. It's so yeah. good. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Have a great Bye, day. Bye, everybody. You too. Bye. Bye.